Hey folks, Tom and Keith, and we want to send a big shout out to the Dunlap Champions Club, which has been the sponsor of Front Row Knowles podcast for some time now. Hopefully during the 2017 season, you got a chance to sample it. I know on the field, the season may not have gone the way you wanted, but uh, off the field, the experience remained top shelf inside the Dunlap Champions Club. Without question, the, the ability to go to a ball game, to, to be inside when it's hot, to have refreshments food drink those types of things and you and i both tom have talked about uh particularly during this semester school semester we've been in there for other functions and certainly many of our listeners uh should have the opportunity we'll have the opportunity to be there for other than football games if you're a member you've got that opportunity on friday nights prior to the game you can do things on sunday it's uh, obviously attached to the university center club uh it's a great all-around venue for anything that's going on during the weekend it was built with 365 days a year function space or functions in mind uh, uh, I'll, I'll remind you that uh, next year, 2018, seven home games on the schedule, including Virginia Tech, Florida, and Clemson. Plant that little seed now. If you want more info, go to fsuclubseats.com or fsuchampionsclub.com. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Front Row Knowles. I am living large today. I have spread out in the expansive studios here because Keith Jones is not by my side. He's living even larger. He's on the road in his luxurious penthouse suite in Clemson, South Carolina. And as we dial up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, I'll say hello to KJ. Keith, is your view the dumpster again this time, or is your view the parking lot, or what are you looking at exactly? I am looking at, I guess they call it the flatland of South Carolina. I'm staying at the end at Patrick Square. Um, it's not a suite, but it's very nice. And, and I would remind you that the reason that you've got the expansive uh, areas there for Florida, for uh, for uh, Front Row Knowles is, uh, you know, the Prime Meridian Bank Studios and that upgrade that we did in celebration of their 10th anniversary. That's well done. That was uh, not scripted and was very subtly dropped in, and that's why you are the true professional, <laughs> Keith. All right, so Keith is on the road with the basketball team. This is what you do at this time of year. Uh, next week, you'll be in the Big Apple for the ACC tournament. This week, you're in the Little Apple of Clemson, South Carolina, where Florida State plays in Little John tonight. And FSU has actually had success against Clemson of late. So how do we keep that rolling this evening? Well, uh, first of all, we've got to find a way to play some defense. You've been hearing me talk about that for three, four games now. And and uh, unfortunately, uh, we've got to find a way to make a jump shot. First time in my 18 years of covering Florida State basketball, up in Raleigh, Tommy, FSU did not make a single jump shot the entire game. They were 0 for 15 from beyond the arc. Every two-point shot they made was either a dunk, a layup, or a teardrop. They made nothing outside of the paint. 54 points in the paint, and I think 12 or 13 points from the free throw line, and that was it. So we got to find some defense. And we got to find some offense, and we need to find it in a hurry. Let's start with the offense, though, because this is a team that has players, has skill, can shoot. All of a sudden, Brian Angola can't find a basket from outside to save his life. But beyond that, well, or in addition to that, two-pronged question, what's wrong with Angola, and is the rest 
bad shots, confidence, hurried shots? What's going on? I would venture the guess that it's a combination of everything. Angola is one for 20, one for his last 20 from distance. Uh, Terrence Mann has not been playing well. He does have a slightly aggravated um, Achilles. Uh, MJ Walker sprained his wrist during pregame up in Raleigh. That's the reason he didn't play very many minutes. Uh, you know, this is the time of the year, and, and maybe the same for Angola and C.J. Walker and the rest of them, but this is the time of the year where the bumps and the bruises and the and the, the contusions, if you want to be medically correct, uh, come into play because you've played a very aggressive schedule, a very hard schedule, uh, particularly in the ACC, and, and you've got to learn and find a way to just push through those aches and pains. And right now Florida State is struggling in doing that and conversely, you've got some other teams in the conference, uh, notably NC State and Virginia Tech, uh, not to, to discount Carolina or Duke or the others, but those two in particular that have found their rhythm and are playing very well as they get ready for the tournament. So um, the ship has got to get corrected and it's got to get corrected quickly because you've only got two regular season games left to play. And most still believe that if Florida State wins one of the two, they're comfortably in. I am going to continue to be on the side of I'd rather win both of them and stay above 500 in the ACC. But I understand well, where well, the RPI is. Do, well, what you want to do is get some momentum going. I mean, you don't want to just back into the ACC tournament or back into the NCAA tournament. You want to have you know some momentum going for you because – you know, depending on where you end up, particularly if you're an eight or a nine seed in the NCAA tournament, well, you're playing the number one seed in your in your area uh, the second game of the of the tournament. You're uh, you you're know. still worried about the second game of the tournament. I'm worried about them getting in, Keith. I understand. Uh, that would be uh, the difference between the two of us every now and then. I'll Although be honest normally with you. I'm, normally, I'm on the negative side. What's going on here? Well, the ceiling on this team, you could get hot if you get in the tournament, and maybe you make it to the second weekend. But the reality is, Keith, if this team has assembled, played, every individual played as well as they can play, it's not a Final Four basketball team. Well, uh, while that might be true from the standpoint of what you've seen as a body of work, you know, I can point out a couple of uh, times uh, NC State under Valvano uh, uh, and et cetera, where a team has gotten hot. Once if you get into the tournament, Tommy, all you, you got to win six, any way, shape, form, or fashion. You win six, you're the national champion. While it may not look like way on paper, I guess I'm the optimist in that in this uh, conversation because you know I think anything could happen. Not likely, but anything could happen. Well, you said it right there. Not likely, but anything could happen. And yes, if if you're the optimist right now, then things are really off the rails. That cardiac, <laughs> the cardiac pack team you referenced of Valvano, I think they had ten losses that year and weren't even in the NCAs until they won the ACC tournament, if memory serves on that. But it just over, well, let's switch to the defensive side then, Keith, because missing or making shots is one thing. Uh, giving up some shots or the other team making shots is another, but not even being in the same area code when said shot is launched. That's something we're completely unaccustomed to seeing out of a Leonard Hamilton team. And I know he's not down on the effort. So is it a matter of so many new faces or each time, you know, sort of the football side, each, each time it's a different guy that messes up, but the rotation is just not been very good the last couple of weeks. Well, I, I think it's some of that. And, and I think more than anything, Obviously, opponents understand that early uh, in the ACC uh, regular season, Florida State was playing good defense, and that got their attention. 
So I think what you're seeing is, particularly over the last six or eight games, is every team has been been made aware that that defense is out there and can come back to haunt them. And as a result, they've been that much more tuned in offensively. And I think also Florida State just hasn't had any luck. I mean, NC State made 60% of their threes. Uh, that, that just doesn't normally happen. You're not going to beat anybody that, that shoots 60% from beyond the arc unless they're only taking two or three shots every game. Although it, so, actu- uh, it, it actually happened this year when FSU beat Miami in overtime. Well, it, it, you know, again, not likely, but possible. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's been it's been a, a a weird six or eight games for Florida State of late because that defense has not been been non-existent. They've continued to shoot the ball well, except in the one or two times when they they shot the ball like you and I were on the court. Uh, it's been real peculiar if you go back and really look at it. Well, it hasn't been a lot of fun, but hopefully they punch a ticket either tonight or by beating Boston College on Saturday. We'll continue this conversation because I do have a thought on who they'll end up matching up against in the NCAAs should they advance. I do want to take a moment to uh, thank the good folks at For the Table, the restaurant group. There's uh, three establishments uh, down in Collegetown. Uh, if you want to fill out your waistline, head to Soto in Midtown. Uh, actually, they're they're selling that sort of stuff right next to Centrale now, too. But uh, the good folks at Madison Social have been uh, counting down the number of days until Willie Taggart's first game, which is that opener against uh, Virginia Tech. Also, uh, uh, simultaneously, a separate countdown for the number of games or wins needed for Mike Martin to get the all-time wins record. And he continues, uh, that team continues to be off to a great start. We'll talk with Tim Linnefeld about that momentarily. But the bottom line, uh, you should frequent those establishments. You also should follow them on social media because they're they're pretty entertaining. Keith, I'll exclude you. You can just sign up for their uh, physical mailing service and get the postcards and laugh at the joke next week, okay? I get faxes. Leave me alone. Here's who Florida State's going to play in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I don't know the team, and I'll look it up before we finish this show, okay? I'm going to look up two things. The top shooting, the top 10 three-point shooting teams in the country and say the top five or 10 individual three-point shooters in the country. And I can guarantee you know what to you that Florida State will match up with that team because they have been abysmal defensively, as we just detailed. And I'm pretty sure somebody out there is, and this is my glass is half empty, Keith, they're going to go nine for 12 on threes in that first game like Mike Buck did back in the late 80s against Pat Kennedy's Knowles. How's that for optimism on a Wednesday? Well, all you got to do is remember uh, Scott Wood for NC State about 10 years ago and, and that little that little guard for Notre Dame about two weeks ago, and you know Florida State can draw the good ones. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Selection Sunday, whatever. If, if Florida State is uh, is on the right side of the bubble, which, again, they are, they are at this point, but uh, hopefully there's another win or two before we get to Selection Sunday. I just am going to have an ominous feeling about that about that draw. Man, we need to get Tim on the phone so I can stop bringing this show down. Does that sound like a plan? You need to take a, you need to take a chill pill, dude. I, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood, Keith. I'm just, I want to see the basketball team punch his ticket. That's all. You know what it is. You've been watching the women play. You've been doing softball. Both of those squads are off uh, in the middle of great starts. Florida State baseball is undefeated. You're 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 by osmosis uh, looking at the men's basketball team, saying you're not doing the same thing. That's what it is. Could be part of it. There's a bigger picture discussion to all that. Uh, softball actually has stubbed its toe more than I thought they would here in the early going. But uh, the women's team. 
you know, you, you can just book them for 25 to 30 wins every year and into the Sweet 16. And if things go well, uh, maybe their first ever Final Four. But yes, baseball has gotten off to a great start. And it's not that it's uncommon, Keith, that they would be 7 or 8 no right now. I guess they're 8 no because they're better than the competition they're playing. But the pitching has been phenomenal thus far. Off the charts. Off the charts. And that is where we will begin the discussion with our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, when we roll on on tonight's edition of Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to the show. We have tracked down our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt wasn't hard to do since he and Keith are in the same locale, although Tim's in a, a slightly better room and suite, I'm told, at the Team Hotel in Clemson, South Carolina. We go back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I don't want to uh, spend much time on this, but certainly we extended condolences to you and your family. I, I know it's been a tough couple of weeks, and uh, uh, you did a good job last week. We'll turn the page, and I'll ask you about Florida State uh, baseball because that's what I promised our listeners we would talk about. The baseball team went to 8-0 last night, and beating the teams they've beaten thus far shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, they're generally playing a soft portion of their schedule the first couple weeks, but they're not usually doing it with a staff ERA of, what is it, a buck? It's a buck eight six right now. So one eight six ERA, and your starter's ERAs. Pollux at point nine, Drew Parrish at one five nine, Cole Sands at one six four, and Andrew Carp uh, at at zeros. I guess. Well, that actually, as I look at this, I must have printed these out, and it didn't reflect last night's game. But the point is, the staff is good. Uh, yeah, no, they've uh, they've been fantastic so far, and you know, before we discount too much the the early season schedule, I mean, it is what it is. But that that early season trip to Jacksonville, uh, you know, has, has sometimes been a little bit thorny, uh, and and you know, sometimes. Depending on what Jackson will do, you know, can do, they'll 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 throw a starter they wouldn't normally do. They they try to win that game, and they have done it before in the past. And so Florida State to to cruise so uh, seemingly effortlessly in that one, you know, I I think that's a it's not a season defining win or anything, but it's it's a positive sign. And, and yeah, man, I mean, looking at what the, the starters have done uh, and everything, unfortunately, has to be viewed through the lens of losing Tyler Holtman, and, and obviously that's a really tough blow. And then I know you, you guys talked about that. Uh, previously, but you know the fact is, without Tyler Holt, they're going to need those guys to step up. You're going to need Cole Sands to pitch the way that he's pitched so far. You're going to need something out of Austin Pollock. Uh, obviously, you're you're leaning on him a little more heavily, uh, a little earlier than you would have intended to with with Tyler Holt in the lineup. But so far, uh, you know those guys are have answered the bell, and I don't think, see any problem with you know, them going out there getting some confidence, particularly a young guy like Pollock or, or Sands who. Uh, you know, was looking for a bounce back kind of year. Uh, you know, for them to come out and pitch the way they're pitching, even against you know the Jacksonvilles and Xavier's and Troy's and whoever, I mean, it's nothing but a good thing in my mind for right now. Keith Jones is with us too. Uh, Keith, did you stop at the hotel bar? Are you still around? Would you like to join the conversation? Still hanging in there. Still hanging in there. Uh, I, I was going to ask Tim. Uh, obviously, the, as a sidebar, we got the reports back that Holton's surgery went well. Uh, any complications? Anything? Any negative out of that? Or, or is he? you know, uh, healing and then going to start his rehab as scheduled. 
Uh, from what I've been, been able to gather, that mm-hmm. everything sounds like it's kind of right on schedule. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a weird deal with uh, with that type of surgery. Um, you know, it, it's almost you know, not the same as an ACL, but, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it, it was the kind of thing that it was a really serious injury and, and, you know, kind of put your career in doubt. Now uh, it's almost an elective surgery for some pitchers, and, and a lot of guys come back stronger, throwing harder, uh, throwing better than they were before. So I think long-term outlook for Tyler Holton is that he's going to be fine, which is obviously a relief. We all like that guy. Uh, it, it certainly stinks for Florida State for this year, and it stinks for him just because, you know, being a local guy, a uh, Tallahassee guy, you know, loves Florida State, turned down some money to stay at Florida State. Uh, you hate to see that kind of good faith rewarded this way. But, uh, but you know, long-term, it sounds like he's going to be all right and, and get back on track in, in fairly short order. One more baseball question, Tim. Then we'll get to the reason you guys are in Clemson, South Carolina, because there's a pretty important basketball game coming up tonight. You know, the averages are low right now as I look at them. So sort of a snapshot is that J.C. Flowers appears in his second year to have found himself. He's leading the team in hitting. Drew Mendoza doesn't have a bomb, but, uh, you know, his average is up there. But really, as I look down, you know, Cal Raleigh spent most of last year in the 220s. And I'm wondering if that's going to prove to be a pattern now at this point or if he's going to snap out. And is there any reason to be concerned that Jackson Luke is just hitting, you know, a little bit above the Mendoza line early in the season? No, I don't think so. Like, I think we all expect Jackson Luke's going to hit just fine. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Um, and, and Cal Raleigh, you know, that's kind of a question. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. I mean, I think we all kind of expect him to hit better than that. We expect him to hit better than that last year. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily uh, a huge problem for Florida State if, if he doesn't. You would like him to, uh, but you know I think the, the value he gives you certainly is, is behind the plate. Um, and as far as Jackson, yeah, it's, it's still early. You know, it, it's uh, it's it's been a pretty small sample size, as good as it's been. Uh, I'd wait a little bit before signing the alarm on on any of those guys. To me, I you know I look at the positive of having J.C. Flowers hitting the way that he's hitting. Uh, you know, it's it's probably the same kind of thing. It's, but if it's too early to, to you know be worried about Cal Raleigh or Jackson Luke, it's probably a little too early to declare J.C. Flowers the, uh, the you know the, the next best thing. Maybe he'll he'll come back down to earth a little bit. But I would be I'm happier about J.C. Flowers hitting the way he is hit than I'm worried about the other guys. You know maybe starting out a little bit more slowly, right? Just because uh, you know we saw how much room there was for improvement, and the fact that, that, that J.C. is even capable of hitting the way that he's hitting. Uh, you know even if it is just a, you know, a especially hot streak. Uh, even if he, he comes back down a little bit, it, it'll probably still be, I, I would expect, a pretty decided improvement over where he was last year. And so uh, just to have that, that kind of bat in the lineup certainly near, near the bottom, I, I think it's a pretty positive thing. It's all, it's tough, man. It's tough with baseball. You know, the sample size is so different than football or, or even basketball, so it's kind of hard to read into things. But so far, uh, you know, I, I think overall you got to be pretty pleased. I'd be really pleased if we could get Brian Angola to hit at the same average that J.C. Flowers is hitting right now. <laughs> so how do we get Brian Angola to actually make a three-pointer and then let alone, you know, get back to shooting in the 40% range, which is what he was doing most of this year? Yeah, that's a really good question, and it, it's, it's kind of a mystery to me. Uh, I, I wish I had a good answer. If I did, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd walk down to uh, Coach Hamilton's room and let him know. Uh I mean, that's the thing is you know that he can do it. You know that he can play that way. And for, for whatever reason, it's just been kind of a, a particularly cold streak. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know any way out of it other than maybe maybe Keith can, can speak to it too. Just you got to play through it and keep shooting through it and eventually see him go through the basket and, and get that confidence back. Uh, and I would echo that. Uh, I don't know of any other solutions other than keep launching. 
Uh, he's the number two or three all-time leading three-point shooter in Florida State history. He's the number two all-time free-throw shooter in Florida State history. Uh, you know, you've got to trust him to just keep launching, and uh, over time, hopefully those averages come back. Well, here's the thing is you can't just hide them because I think for, for Florida State to, to go where you know it, it wants to go this season, whether you know, we're going into the AC tournament next week and we expect the NCAA tournament uh, uh, the week after that, if they're going to be, as, as Leonard likes to say, a team of significance, they're going to need what Brian Angola can give them to get where they want to go. So uh, as important as these next two games are, you know, to just for the, the, the win-loss record and the ACC standings, I mean, they also need to, to try, you know, get him some shots, try to see, you know, get that get the confidence back because they're going to need him when the postseason comes along. They can't just have him not shoot. You mentioned the NCAA tournament the next week we all expect. Okay, so putting you on the spot here, Tim. If Florida State wins one of its remaining games, meaning tonight, Saturday against Boston College, whoever they play in the ACC tournament, are they in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think so. Even, I, think, I think one does it. Even in the scenario where maybe they finished 8-10, and 10, uh, in conference, but they won the first tournament game. Yeah, that that gets a little bit dicier because if you if you lose your next two, then who are you playing? You're probably playing somebody who doesn't really help you uh, in the first round of the uh, of the ACC tournament. But yeah, I, man, I I really do think that's going to be enough. Mostly just because I think their wins are still really good. You know, they they've got some quality wins. Their losses aren't bad. I think they'll be. And, and again, who, you know, it's probably going to come down to who else is on the bubble. But if you look around the the landscape in college basketball. Uh, I think they're going to be compared pretty favorably uh, with uh, with whoever they would be up against, you know, for for some of those uh, those last spots. Florida actually has, uh, after sinking, they've started to right the ship a little bit, which helps FSU's cause with that win in Gainesville. What if FSU doesn't win again the rest of the way, Tim? Uh, <laughs> then, then again, I think it also gets uh, dicey because you're, you're probably looking at if, if you lose the next two and you lose your first ACC game, then you're probably looking at a, a loss to either Pittsburgh or Wake Forest or somebody like that, and that would be bad. And then again, I don't, I don't think that means necessarily a death knell to your NCAA chances, but you're probably splitting it out on Selection Sunday. Man, as I listen to myself, Keith's right. I really am glass half empty today. For real, man. Where's this all coming? From? I don't know. Well, let's go. Let's go positive then. So, am I mistaken, or has the committee? eliminated last five games as part or last 10 games as part of the criteria that they used to lean on for it. Did, did that go away or did I just, was that a bad dream or something I had or a good dream? Uh, that, that I'm not sure of. I've already time keeping up with, uh, with what they do and, and don't, uh, don't, don't factor in or what they say they do and, and, and don't actually do and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's true because no matter what they tell us, the criteria is they never really put all their cards on their table. So we don't know if they followed the criteria anyway, Keith, why don't you jump in? Cause I'm just bringing this whole show down today. Well, the only thing I'd tell you is I, is I, I think if Florida State wins one of the next two, they end up going into the tournament. They'll probably play the first game on Wednesday. Uh, one of the projections I looked at said, unfortunately, that would be against Virginia Tech, who is very, very hot right now. But if they got by that guy, uh, game, guys, they play Virginia, uh, who the that bad side, downside is their number one seed in the ACC tournament, potential number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But Florida State played them fairly well last time, and wouldn't that be surprising? Wouldn't that be encouraging if you get by Tech and then you play Virginia and you happen to get by them and find yourself waking up Friday morning and playing in the uh, semifinals? So how about if we go positive that route? Keith, what you- uh, I like the sound of it, and, and, and to keep it going, you, you mentioned Virginia Tech, and they're off, but they are a team that, that you know you can beat. 
you beat them up in their place, so you have some confidence there. You know you played well against Virginia. Yeah, I like the way you're thinking, Keith. Keith, what did you have for breakfast at the hotel buffet this morning? Because I, I missed <laughs> out, obviously. I had the uh, country uh, breakfast, uh, which included a, a lot more meat and, uh, and potatoes than the uh, normally would be the case, so maybe that's what it is. Tim, you missed our first segment. I mean, but Keith's concerns at this point are Florida State not being an eight or nine uh, seed in the NCAA tournament because you don't want to have to beat a number one seed in your second round game. And who FSU is going to play in its third ACC tournament game? So, man, that breakfast is that was good stuff, Keith. Uh, uh, yeah, man, I probably need to get down there and see if they still have any left. Wow. All right, KJ, where do you want to steer the conversation from here? The women's team uh, in the tournament again. I- I'll ask you this, Tim. I, I didn't even give you a ch- chance to weigh in, Keith. So Sue Semra has had great success across the board, regular season, NCAA tournament. The one exception is that this team has not played well in the ACC tournament. And I don't know if that's, I don't want to say that they they don't care, but it's just not as important as what the NCAA picture is or if there's other factors. You got any light you can shed on that? I think you're kind of on, on the right track there. It is sort of a weird little glitch in the matrix, uh, the way they've done uh, in the ACC tournament. Now they've, always had the good fortune uh really for as long as you can remember in, in recent history of having their ncaa tournament spot locked up before the uh before the NCAA, before the ac tournament begins and you know at that point you're kind of getting into uh big picture conversations about the nature of conference tournaments and what value they bring and what risks they bring as far as you know you know risking injury or what have you before the ncaa tournament i you know i do think it probably irritates them a little bit uh you know it, it is something that they uh it's I guess a hole, a hole in the resume as far as a good ACC tournament performance. You think with some of the teams they've had over the last several years that that uh, you know an ACC tournament crown would be in there one time or another. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I think like most college basketball teams and, and most coaches, certainly one uh, in, you know, in the top five, top ten range, they're focused on the NCAA tournament. It's not to say they don't want to win the ACC tournament or have success, but not at the uh, at, at the detriment of uh, the NCAA tournament. Did I read correctly that uh, uh, there were two of the ladies that were on the first team all ACC squad? You that's did. Right, that's right. Well, I'll simply tell you, if you go back and look at history, if you've got two first-team all-conference players, that bodes pretty well once you get to the NCAA tournament. Keep your eye on them. Well, one is Imani Wright, who was a good player last year but became a great player this year hitting threes. But uh, this was where I was going with my next question, Keith. Tim, I don't know across the board. It would take some research to look up, but Shaquilla Thomas has now been a first-team All-ACC player three years in a row. Yeah, and that's got to be a pretty short list of Seminoles that have been first-year All-ACC three consecutive years. Any sport, I would think. Yeah, probably. I mean, almost has to be right. There's probably eliminate uh, the, the biggest portion just on even having it as a possibility. But yeah, for her to contribute the way that she has. Actually, uh, there's only one other player in the in the ACC that's uh, that, that's current. And that's uh, Notre Dame's Brianna Turner, uh, who is who is very good and probably a WNBA player. So yeah, it's, it's definitely it's a, it's rare company. Like you said, we'd have to kind of look and see the uh, the three uh, the three first team All ACCs. But I'm guessing it's a pretty short list. Well, you've got an army of support staff over there at Seminoles.com, Tim. So charge them with that task so we can. Well, let me see if I can fire off a couple emails. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Oh, I thought you could just. Well, I guess you just talk to text into your phone, and you know somebody <laughs> brings the phone closer to you, and you just shout your demands. Um, it would be interesting to see that, and I do. I do wish them good luck. Shakela, by the way, 
uh, help me on the men's side, guys, but on the women's side, there's only one player in women's basketball history at FSU that's over 2,000 points, and that's Sue Galcantis. On the men's side, is it Sura and Jim Oler, or am I leaving somebody else out there, KJ? Uh, those are the two that come to my mind. I don't know if there's a third. Timmy, can you think? Uh, I, I not off the top of my head, no. But I would, uh, I would suspect. Oh, if I, hey, tell you what, I found, uh, I found another first team, a three-time first team All ACC. Who's that? And it's a current, uh, current player. Any guess? Current player, so a current, current student athlete. A current student athlete. So who are we forgetting here? So we're got to go. Keith, are you going to just leave me on an island? I'm here? lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm looking got me at on that one. It'll be senior softball superstar Jesse Warren. Oh, that would be a good oh, one. Yeah, I was. Man. See, I was on the men's side of the ledger. I was thinking through men's basketball, baseball, and football in my mind. Yeah, Jesse Warren is going to own all, almost certainly make it four times. She's going to own all the significant ACC uh, softball records and FSU records when she's done. She just got the oh. ACC RBI record. What I was going to say about Shaquilla to finish that, the 2,000-point thing, is she's got an outside chance to, to get to 2,000 points. It's going to depend on how far they go in the ACC tournament and how far they go in the NCAAs. But she's about, I, I don't know, 110, 120 points away. So she needs, say, six games to get there. Seven would be more comfortable. That could happen. It would, it would take a nice run in the postseason. All right, there is soccer tonight at the uh, Seminole Soccer Complex as uh, Pro Team is in with a couple of former Knowles to take on Mark Krikorian's squad. Congrats are in order to Trey Jones' team for winning its own golf tournament last weekend. The men's tennis team uh, remains hot. What would you like to uh, opine on, Tim? Oh, gosh. Um, Any of that yeah, or something yeah. else? It's wide open. Wide open. Uh, you know, I just kind of kind of big picture this is kind of getting to that time of year late february early march when you uh you look up and there's a lot going on you know between baseball getting in full swing softball getting in full swing men's and women's basketball yeah you know coming toward the postseason and it's always a lot more fun when uh, when both programs are involved in the postseason so this uh this year set up to be good and then uh don't forget we you know we, we've gone the, the entire segment without talking the nfl scouting combine uh, is this week a lot of big Florida State representation there, and then spring football gets going here before too terribly long. So the uh, the calendar gets awfully busy, but this is you know one of the most fun times of the year. I don't know if that's really an opinion, uh, just sort of a uh, well. I was uh, I was headed to the underwear Olympics as the last question here, and, and uh, okay. we are going to discuss this later in the show. So Florida State has nine guys uh, participating in this year's combine, aka the underwear Olympics. So who's going to fare the best out of this group? Well, is, is it cheating to say Derwin James? Not cheating to say anything. I mean, you can because uh... it's going to be Derwin James. I, you know, I, I think you know he's already got plenty of buzz uh, around him heading into it. But man, I just knowing what you know about that guy physically and athletically, um, I think he's going to have a huge combine. I think there's a pretty good chance that that he generates even more buzz uh, than he has already. And 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 I, and I think he has some room to generate some just because you know he, he missed his sophomore year and then and then last year kind of was what it was for the entire team. But I think he's going to blow people away. Uh, at the combine, and and that'll be really good. You know who who I, I think uh, has a uh, an, an opportunity, but but I think it has, has a big weekend ahead of him is Josh Sweat. I, I think for uh, you know he he certainly has all the physical ability. You know he he looks the part of, of an NFL player. It's just a matter of you know can can he show people that he's healthy that you know that knee's been an issue throughout his entire career. Um, but if he can convince people that that he's right and that he can uh, you know be explosive and come off the line, I you know I think that he could really really help his uh, his stock and, and help his standing in, in the NFL circles this weekend. Keep your eye, guys. Keep your eye on Naughty. 
He's very highly thought of, and he will be more highly thought of when he leaves the combine. And, and you know, and you know what you, you say, Keith. I, I agree with you. Um, in fact, I wanted to mention him too. Not only uh, physically, because we know that he, he's going to you know, the bench press and all that stuff. He's going to blow people away. I mean, he's, he's one of the strongest players that he's going to do well in the meetings. He's going to do well in the meetings. Exactly, but, exactly yeah. right. Yes, he's, sir. He's going to yes, really, really sir. well. Somebody's going to fall in love with him. I guarantee it. Final thought, and Keith, you wouldn't have seen this because you're not on social media, but Tim, you might have. Did you see former FSU quarterback, former Auburn quarterback, former FAU quarterback, former whatever junior college in Mississippi quarterback, John Franklin? I think, I think he was a wide receiver in there at some point, too. Yeah, well, I, I, I was just trying to expedite the conversation. John Franklin the third posted footage and tweeted, or somebody did in his camp, that he ran a 4-1-8 electronically timed 40. Are we buying this? I mean, I mean that would be a combine record, by the way. I mean, I don't. I want to just. I don't want to just flat out say no, but I mean, yeah, he's a. But no. A, <laughs> well, he's I mean, capable, right? guys. Guys, Do you? he's capable. He is capable of doing that. If he's so, capable you know, of running a four one eight, then he should have been running a four one eight with the football in his hand at some point while he was wearing garnet and gold. That doesn't yeah. mean his head was on straight. You only got to run a straight for forty yards at the one time. <laughs> You know, I, uh, I I put it this way: all my interactions with John when he was at Florida State were always really positive. Um, you know, I liked him, and and we know he has some athletic ability. So uh, whether or not he can run a forty-yard dash and the, the fastest forty-yard dash of all time, uh, I guess remains to be seen. But but I hope something works out for him. I really do. Well, he and I have a uh, one thing in common. And that's probably it. And that is we went to the same high school. So if he wants to go ahead and set the, uh, the the record in Indianapolis, we can put South Plantation High School right next to it for a little Paladin pride. That's, he's, a, he's just, you know, walking the trail that you blazed. Uh, th- no, I think he's blazing the trail that I walked would be more appropriate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Our Seminoles. Tom, Tom was cutting a, st- spl- a splash through the Everglades. Franklin's <laughs> on a paved road. Yes, exactly. Uh Keith, don't go anywhere. Tim, appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. Bring back a W tonight. I'll do my best. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, and the one and only Keith Jones, who will return momentarily on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles. Thanks to Tim Linnefelt for joining us. He obviously has been quite distracted with the loss of his, uh, his mom in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, again, condolences to he and his family. Keith Jones is still with us. We appreciate Tim being back in the saddle. KJ, uh, I'll get some final thoughts from you here. The show is not wrapping up, but, uh, you know, I feel like I'm infringing on your time to explore Clemson, South Carolina, so I don't want to tie you down for too long. What has to happen? Uh, Tommy, I've been coming here a long time. I think I've seen it all. Appreciate it, though. (laughs) Nothing will talk. We've already shared this story, but the last time you and I were in Clemson was for the football game this year, and we took an Uber from Greenville. We'll tell it again. And and lo and behold, if the Uber driver wasn't Cliff Stout, father of <laughs> former Clemson quarterback Cole Stout, but more than that, 
former NFL quarterback that was the backup for Terry Bradshaw, Steel Curtain, all that. And the football team stays in Greenville, so it's like an hour drive to Clemson. So he just told one story after another about Terry Bradshaw and Jack Lambert and Jack Ham, and I mean, it was. Well, the stories got so good. Remember, the stories got so good. Yeah, he missed our turn. Yeah, we, yeah, we were almost late for the game. There was a pause, and he goes, uh, uh, "What guys? Yo, what time do you guys go on the air?" And I said, well, we got a little bit of time. He says, well, good. I just missed my turn. I got to go all the way around here. And if you've ever been to Clemson, when you miss a turn, that's like a 25-minute mistake. That's not 100. That takes a while. Yeah, it's not 100 yards. Uh, So what has to happen tonight for FSU to win? Uh, First and foremost, they need to come out and play defense. Let defense dictate and and feed into your offense. Uh, Number two, um, you know, work the ball inside, but let's let's get. How about we get a little bit of dribble drive penetration and a kick out? Let's let Angola and Kofer and uh, MJ of his if his wrist is healed. Let's let them shoot, not because they spotted up, but because we got the ball inside and kicked it back out. And and let's play as a team and play with some aggressiveness. You know, coach has talked about he he hasn't faulted the effort. I'm not sure I'm in that that same vote, Tommy. I'm not sure I've seen the same effort uh, in these last two or three ball games that I saw in ball games prior. Let, let's leave it out on the court, and 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 let's make sure we leave South Carolina with this win. Let's don't wait to have to come back home on Senior Day in the civics in the in the Tucker Center and, and win a ball game in order to solidify what we think we, we we're, we're headed to. Speaking of Senior Day, I've heard a lot of conjecture lately that Phil Kofer is going to get an extra year and come back. Is that seem like a formality are you hearing that from where you sit i, I am hearing that uh i think it's it's interesting thing you know one you know one of the things that's happened is this is the first year that kofer has been healthy through the summer leading into the fall getting ready for the season and you want to talk about a guy that has earned the respect of opposing coaches you should read the clips and and uh, listen to the post game press conferences of Florida State's opponents uh, as it relates to them being asked about Phil Kofer. Because this is a guy, Tommy, that was averaging four four points a ball game coming into this year, and now he's averaging 14. He's got maybe the second or third greatest per-game average increase of anybody in the league. Uh, he, he rebounds. He's developed the three ball. He's developed a good little mid-range jumper. Uh, I mean, if he wanted to stay another year and not, you know, I don't think he's an NBA talent, but he's certainly a professional talent in terms of going overseas and making a good living for 10 years. If he was inclined and wanted to stay another year and get a master's or work on his master's, I think he would certainly be welcome back to this Florida State program because he is, he, <coughs> pardon me, he has proven uh, to be to be a very reliable and very, very good Division One college basketball player i may be mistaken but i feel like there was some personal or off-court situations that he dealt with too family related and that may be completely erroneous so i probably shouldn't have said that but i think there may be other things though that factor in along with the injuries and the missed time but that would be a good situation if he comes back for florida state keith you will be back uh, after tonight's game you'll uh You'll probably, I don't even know if your head will hit the pillow in the morning because the sun will be rising by the time you get in your truck. But uh, I appreciate a few minutes of your precious time from Clemson, South Carolina. Get a W tonight and safe travels. We'll do our best. 
He is Keith Jones. I am merely Tom Block, and we have more of Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, we're going to move our attention back to college football, or pro football, I guess. Talk a little NFL Combine and Florida State football in general. Tom Block with you. Thanks for tuning in as always, and uh, pleased to bring to the program a former Noel, a guy who bleeds garnet and gold, also has a couple of shiny Super Bowl rings uh, to his credit, and that is uh, Bryant McFadden. BMAC, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. You bet. Anytime, and uh, it's always good to connect with uh, former Noles. I was telling you before we came on that uh, I've been around here so long, it kind of runs together, but uh, I'm sure in some respects you you don't even recall the days before FSU because it's, uh, it's about two decades now for you, but <laughs> I, I know you're a proud Noel, so before we get into the the discussion about some of these guys in the NFL Combine, you know, nobody could have forecast the way the last six months were going to go or the way last season was going to go. Do you, you know, what what are your thoughts as we as we sit here right now, the last day of February on on the shape the program's in as Coach Taggart's a couple months into his tenure? Well, I think based on what we've seen over the last, like you said, five, six months to be where we currently are, I'm extremely optimistic about the future. Now, when you look at the 2017 season, is it was a disappointing year, and then to add on to the disappointment, we we lost a championship winning head coach in Jimbo. And the way how that process uh, panned out, you know, no one saw that. But I think right now, Florida State, we're in the best position we can, we can actually be in based on getting a coach that has true love for the university. You know, grew up a Florida State fan. He's a Florida kid. His ability to recruit and relate to kids is, is 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 extremely important, and we were able to see that based on how they finished the recruiting process. So right now, I'm extremely excited about where the program is going. Um, it was an ugly year, 2017, but that's in our rear view. Now it's about looking ahead to the future. One more question on that, and then we'll we'll turn the page. A lot of Florida State fans, obviously, are pretty anti-Jimbo right now, given the way he departed. Not that you can speak for the whole f- base of former Florida State players. I- I'm sure you were probably pretty surprised, too. Um, for me, personally, uh, I get the angst. I understand why people are upset. Jimbo clearly could have handled it better on the way out. But that said, I feel like he left the program in pretty good shape. He won a championship, and I'm not necessarily as interested in rooting against him at Texas A&M as some may be. And I'm just curious, you know, kind of what your personal take or from, from talking with other former Knowles is. Yeah, it's, it's about 50-50. And I think with fans, we have to realize this is a business, right? There's no loyalty in business, unfortunately. Like when it comes to your employment, there's no loyalty with employment. And most fans, that feel some type of way about Jimbo and how he left the program. Granted, you have a right to feel that way, but you have to look at it if you were in his shoes. Whatever your 9 to 5 is, if you had an opportunity to go elsewhere where you felt like 
they would give you everything that you're asking for and more based on the information that we all received as outsiders, you would do what's best for you and your family. And Jimbo did what was best for him and his family. Now, when you look at, you know, the, the negative pub that he's receiving, I'm not surprised because we have diehard fans. And if you're not with Florida State, you're against us. I have no issue with that. But yet and still, we have to appreciate and really applaud him and his staff for, for doing what they've done, what they did for us. Because when Bobby left, granted, I never knew Florida State without Bobby Biden on the sideline. Right? And the same could be said for most Florida State fans. We're talking about one of the more prestigious college coaches of all time. And Jimbo had to replace a legend and did not miss a beat, was able to bring in a Heisman, was able to bring in a national championship. So making Florida State back on that national, putting Florida State back on the national stage is something that I can't forget from Jimbo. And no question, I didn't want to see him leave. And I felt some type of way a little bit also. But at the end of the day, I have to always bring myself to the understanding that it's a business and you cannot knock a man for making the best business decision for himself and his family. And that's what he did. We're talking with former Florida State defensive back Bryant McFadden, of course, played for the Steelers, played in the league for a while. And you brought up the word business a few times, and nothing is more of a business than the NFL. And all you have to do is is watch the NFL Network uh, or ESPN over the next few days to see the what we affectionately refer to as the underwear Olympics, I guess, that is the NFL Combine. Brian, you went you went through this. So take us back yep. to when you were coming out of Florida State and how nerve-wracking was this experience for you at that time? Well, it wasn't as nerve-wracking as I thought it would be. I think the process is more nerve-wracking than the actual Combine. The preparation, making sure you do everything, making sure you dot every I, cross every T, so you're more than prepared for the opportunity to showcase your skills at the combine. When I got to the combine, I think the most drooling part about that period was the lack of sleep because you're up early in the morning, you're meeting with so many teams, you got to go through the medical part, and the medical part is extremely, extremely fatiguing. You can easily be at the medical uh, 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 spot for an entire day, and then once you're done with that, you have to fulfill your obligations of meeting with almost every team. And then performing is something that you should be used to doing. You've done this your entire career up until this point, being able to showcase your skill set. You know, you've been playing this position your entire life, so you should be comfortable in showing everything that these owners and execs would like to see. It's a great opportunity, not to mention the level of competition, because some guys that you have read about throughout your junior year or your senior year, now you're standing right next to them. Now this is an opportunity to really showcase that, you know what, I'm better than my competition based on what you guys will see throughout the combine. And also when you pair that up with the tape that I've been able to display throughout my collegiate career, this is an opportunity for you to gain money. And this is an opportunity for players to lose money. So when you put that all into the equation, you want to make sure you go out and give your best effort and don't leave anything uh, unturned as far as any stones, because you want to be able to, Leave the combine saying, I left everything on the line. But also, too, we must remember, if you don't have your best performance at the combine, you have an opportunity to do what? Improve 
those numbers at your personal workout at pro day. We're talking with Brian McFadden. BMAC, Florida State has nine guys, I think, that are at the Combine this week. Who do you think is set up to really turn some heads? Derwin James, and here's why. I think he's the most athletic player we will have at the Combine. I think he's one of the more athletic players in this draft. And now a lot of draft experts and uh, analysts, they have Derwin going anywhere in the mid-team, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I believe based on his this guy will jump dramatically, potentially in the top ten or potentially right outside the top ten because we know personally what type of athlete he is. When you look at the combine, there's no pad involved. There's no helmet. There's no equipment. There's no hitting involved. This is where you showcase your athleticism, and that's where we see players that are so gifted really jump up draft boards based on their athleticism. And, Tom, you know it firsthand. You know how athletic Gerald Derwin is. The world don't know. But Tallahassee, we know, and that's why I believe he has an opportunity to really open a lot of eyes as far as running the 40, the vertical jump, the broad jump. He's extremely strong. He's strong as the ox. And not to mention he's athletic. He's going to look so fluid in his drills. And when you pair that up with his measurables, wow. It's going to be real exciting to see exactly how high he jumped based on the mock drafts that I've been seeing over the last few weeks. Let me ask you about a guy that uh, plays the same position you did, and uh, no relation, by the way, as far as I know, with Tavares, Tavares McFadden, as we're talking with Brian McFadden, both from yep. both from South Florida. Uh, you know, obviously he had all the numbers two years ago when he got all those interceptions, and he picked off some pretty high-profile quarterbacks, too. I mean, it was a nice resume. And then last year he got picked on, and you could see that his confidence was shaken a little bit. He's got an incredible frame. Where do you think he projects, or how do you think? Because they're going to look at him and see that he's 6'2", and he's long. I mean, he's going to check the right boxes in Indianapolis. But how do you think he projects to the next level? It depends on – let me answer this question based on draft stats. If he runs fast, Tom, he's going to get drafted high. A lot of people have him not being a first-round draft pick, which is weird because, like you said, his sophomore year, many felt like going into his junior campaign, he was the best corner in college football in a future first-round selection. But based on the inconsistencies that he displayed this past season, he has fell out of the first round. But because of his size, you're talking about a corner to 6'2", 6'3", over 200 pounds, long, athletic, they want that. They love big guys that can run. So the question will be his 40 times. If he clocks anything, I say in the sub 4-4, he's going to jump dramatically also. But he has to be able to show that he can run because that's, that is one of the biggest questions with Tavares, his top-end speed, his top-end speed, not to mention the effort, the effort, hustling showing that you love the game of football. And those are questions he will have to answer in his individual meetings with certain teams. Why do you play the game? Because they question the love. They question the effort. And he has to be able to answer those questions. Because teams want players that love football, that are passionate about football. Because on that level, there's nothing else. You don't have to worry about any tutoring, any study hall, any classes. It's football, football, football. Family first, and then football. When you look at the collegiate standpoint, it's family, academics, and then football. 
football would take up so much of your life, and they want to make sure you love the game. So baseball is 40. If he's able to display speed, that's going to help. Now when you talk about transitioning to the next level, it's about me personally, the team. Because I see Tavares as a man-to-man corner. He's a press corner. When you look at his weaknesses, it's playing off corner, playing with a lot of space. But when you talk about a guy as long as Tavares, no question you want to minimize the space and allow this guy to be a man-to-man type corner so he can get his long arms and his hands on these wide receivers and be disruptive. So it's about being able to fit this kid into a scheme that will be able to showcase his best skill set, which is playing man-to-man. Brian McFadden, I don't have time or we don't have time left in the show to go uh, prospect by prospect, but that's really good insight. And I know all the listeners now, uh, not that we wouldn't have been anyway, but if you're inclined to watch the uh, the NFL Combine, we're all going to be paying attention to what, what time uh, Tavares runs. Appreciate your insight. We'll have you back on the show. And uh, congratulations on the success uh, post-FSU. I know you're, uh, you're in broadcasting and trying to break further into it, and I wish you the best of luck in that, Brian. Uh, thank you, Tom. Hey, I used to always remember, Tom, when Sunshine Network was up and relevant. We'll always be monitoring the sideline, doing a great job. So, Tom, it's still uh, it's wonderful to see you still, you know, being relevant in Tallahassee and doing a great job also. You just had a Sunshine Network reference for, for the younger <laughs> generation. That used to, that, That's what Sun Sports used to be. <laughs> Brian, exactly. Hey, those were the days, man. Good to catch up with you. Uh, same here. Thank you for having me. All right. That is uh, BMAC, as he's known, Brian McFadden. Hey, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. I'll wrap this thing up with some final thoughts just after this. Don't need no Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. It's actually just Tom since we gave Keith his early release today so he can focus on the important task at hand, which is bringing back a W with the basketball team tonight at Clemson. Good luck to uh, Leonard Hamilton and the Knowles. I do want to take just a second. I didn't. I don't remember if I discussed this on last week's show, but uh, a tip of the cap to Mike Martin. The backstory on this, I lined up Mike Martin to speak to a group uh, at FSU of about 200, and I think that invite was probably in November or December before the season, and he gladly agreed. And as it turned out, the day that he had to deliver the talk was the day that he got the news that Tyler Holton was out for the year, who's only his best player in, say, a decade. If you pinned him down and asked him, he'd probably say since Buster Posey. But 11 was uh, hit a home run, as always. I knew that he would, but I felt really bad that that was the way that the circumstances played out. But uh, it is what it is. And uh, fortunately, the Knowles are off to a great start, and I wish them the best of luck this weekend. Keith uh, will be on the road again next week, so uh, we'll have to do this whole phone thing. He'll be in lovely New York, and uh, and I'll be here in the fine studios looking at Matthew. But uh, until then, uh, enjoy the game tonight, and I'll talk to you next week here on Front Row Knowles. Oh.